And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I am your guest host, Melissa Vincent. And if you're wondering why you have a guest host today, it is because Pipeline Entrepreneurs is taking over this week's episodes of Startup Hustle Podcast, and that is because we are in recruiting season. So if you are an entrepreneur in the Midwest, that would be Kansas, Missouri, or Nebraska, and you would like to be a part of Pipeline Entrepreneurs and our 2022 fellowship, go to PipelineEntrepreneurs.com to apply. So I am incredibly excited to be here with Blake Lawrence. Blake, welcome. Melissa, thanks for having me. Excited to be here and have whatever conversation you want to have. I've been looking <laughs> forward to it. Well, good. So, Blake, you are the founder of Open Doors. And so I happen to know you from a previous life as well as Pipeline, but tell us all about Open Doors and how you got started. Yeah, Open Doors, we provide technology to the athlete endorsement industry. Started the company in 2012 right in the middle of pipeline. Right? Mm -hmm. So I went into pipeline with one company and came out with two. <laughs> um, and that's kind of a pipeline journey for entrepreneurs and founders that are looking to be a part of the pipeline family. I can tell you that it was transformative for me and foundational for open doors as a company. So I, I'll get into that. Uh, but open doors, we, again, we provide solutions to the athlete endorsement industry. More than 50,000 athletes around the world use our products every day to understand, build, and monetize their personal brand. So there is uh, a world where athletes are becoming more and more influential. The social media era and athlete empowerment movement has made athletes a center stage in many conversations around a dinner table on television. Uh, and they are thrust into the spotlight early. And we provide technology that keeps them in the spotlight for as long as they can, as well as keeps uh, opportunities flowing to them off the field or off the court, anything outside the lines of their sport. So uh, one of my, my favorite examples is, is what's happening right now in college sports, where tens of thousands of athletes across the, the country right now will get a buzz on their you know open doors app. They open the app and it's a local business that wants to pay them to make an appearance somewhere. Athletes are able to review that opportunity, agree, and uh, open doors handles everything from the pitch, the payment, the contract, even tax preparation. So we wow. are seeing many athletes for the first time get their first endorsement deal. And again, our technology is built to make sure they're doing the right thing, right place, right time and manage it start to finish. So for those who are listening, who don't know, or who aren't necessarily following sports. So there's been a change in the NIL, the name image likeness um, regulations for college sports, which has allowed this amazing opportunity, which You've been on the kind of front end of knowing it might happen for quite a while. Like, when did you first find out? Because that's a massive change. So, for again, for those listening who may not know, previously, if you're a college athlete, 
you cannot get paid. You could get a scholarship, but you couldn't get payment from the school or any endorsements outside of that. And right. so your college career is often cut short because you want to go into the pros where you can actually, you know, switch and make money off of your name, image, and likeness. And mm -hmm. so this change, when did, when did you first hear like rumors like that the NIL laws might change? Uh, I would say it'd be about three years ago, so 2018, it started to get real. You got some rumblings that name, image, and likeness regulations in the NCAA and college sports were, were looking to be changed uh, to provide student athletes opportunity to earn while they're in college. And as you said, Melissa, this is for the majority of athletes, the peak of their career, yeah, right? And this is the peak of their earning potential in terms of endorsements and sponsorships and marketing value. And, you know, my, my journey at Nebraska is a pretty solid example of that. You know, I, I grew up in Kansas City, got recruited across the country and ended up at Nebraska. And, you know, I worked my way to becoming a starting linebacker in Nebraska and, you know, had dreams of going to the NFL. And my dreams were cut short. I had suffered four concussions in a little over a year and uh, was forgetting my name and where mm. I was. And so I was done. I was done in a day. And for the majority of college athletes and majority of athletes that are listening, anyone that's ever played sports, you know that one day it comes to an end. And um, it's unfortunate that for so many years, college athletes weren't able to capitalize on the biggest moments in their life, uh, even if they didn't go pro, but they have a lot of marketing value in college. So now the rules have changed and we're one month into the name, image and likeness era of college sports. And it is bigger than most people think there's a just a tremendous amount of opportunity and athletes that are leaning into this are finding great value in it and the vision for open doors you know has, has stayed the same we want to help every athlete you know right. we we've been working with professional athletes for a decade um and that's been i can tell you all the things we've learned from doing that <laughs> but now to know that we're helping tens of thousands and soon hundreds of thousands of student athletes um, capitalize on NIL as well. It's, it's quite exciting. So for, so the NIL laws have just been, they're fascinating to me because one, to see this shift and then in the social, to your point, the social media era changes the dynamics of everything. Because if we were talking 10 years ago, would there, I mean, you really wouldn't have this like, forum to be, you know, you know, having athletes have a brand of their own. Mm -hmm. And so for them to be able to capitalize on that. So what I'm just curious, because I don't understand what was what is the con? I mean, like the pro is obviously you're allowing, like you said, you're allowing college athletes to be able to at the peak of their career, you know, be able to monetize their name and their brand, their personal brand which hopefully allows them to stay in college longer versus leaving early. What's the con? Like, why was that set in place to begin with? What was the, what was the concern or fear that, that you know, as, as a former student athlete and, and uh, a leader of a business that we're, we've got more than a hundred college athletic department partners across the country. We are partners uh, and work closely with the NCA themselves. And so I've got a unique perspective on the student athlete experience. And one of the sticking points in this whole thing is that collegiate sports is unique because the student athletes aren't compensated. They mm -hmm. compete, they earn scholarships, and there's a level of equity, if you will. That team has the same number of scholarships as that team, and that's why they compete with one another. And 
you know, athletes at that school are getting a great education. Athletes at that school are getting a great education. There's some balance here. So opening up the world where you know, athletes can get paid, it's really the question is athletes should get, be able to earn just who should be able to pay them. And mm. the schools paying the athletes creates an entirely different landscape. So, right. you know, right now schools cannot pay student athletes outside of providing them a scholarship and, you know, some cost of attendance type benefits. So, but student athletes can earn from sponsors and businesses and brands and fans that want to pay them to do something, make an appearance, post on social media. So the upside of this is, I'll tell you a quick story on it, is, you know, two of the most marketable student athletes in the country are sophomore basketball players at Fresno State. Hmm. And they, the Hannah and Haley Cavender have more than 3 million TikTok followers but they're also all conference basketball players. And, and one of them was uh, conference player of the year, women's basketball in Fresno in the mountain West. And they are earning six figures of NIL income in the first month of NIL. That's exciting. Cause most wow. fans are thinking this is just the quarterback at Alabama or the the point guard at Kansas. And that is the upside is that those are the types of stories that most fans didn't expect or are going to learn about and see that student athletes of that type of nature can earn real money. The downside are, is the situation where the quarterback at Alabama is rumored to have nearly a million dollars in name, image, and likeness earnings, and he's never started a game in college right. football, right? So. Right. It becomes a slippery slope where these compensation is really to support the athlete, which is a great thing for the athlete, but it could turn into high caliber, well supported and funded collegiate sports programs and their sponsors and boosters are greatly overcompensating their student yeah. athletes to en ensure that they stay in that school or attend that yeah. school. And those are the rules the NCAA is trying to hone in on is make sure these aren't pay for play type yeah. roles or, and there's no recruiting inducement. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense. So basically, even if the school is not per se, you know, um, paying the athlete outside of a, a college scholarship, they're the close, the organizations and companies that are close to the school can pay and sponsor. And therefore you still end up kind of in the same situation if there's not rules and regulations around that. Right. Which, which again, if you are a fan of college sports, you can see how this is different. If you're a fan mm -hmm. of citizens in the United States being able to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness rights, then what's the problem, right? So it's just right. a balance here because right now it's a month and a lot of these rules are still being finalized, but there's no rules right now. So people are doing as they please. Um, it'll get tighter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So tell us about how one, I mean, I know because obviously you're a pipeline member and friend, so we follow everything that's going on, but we literally a month ago, everything on our little like world of NIL stuff was popping up and you were like being written about in fours and you were everywhere. You still mm -hmm. are. Um, what has that been like? I mean, I'm just excited that we're able to spend some time together on the podcast. Thank you, Startup Hustle. Um, but I mean, what's that been like? I mean, you were already, I mean, your company is phenomenal and you're working with professional athletes and all of that. But literally, this is a massive shift. And so mm -hmm. have you been growing? Like, have you had to hire new people? What's it been like to be over the past month, have that change? Certainly. So our, our team at Open Doors, we now have more than 70 full-time employees and we've That's hired awesome. 30 
in 2021. So since the start of the year, we brought on more than 30 full-time employees. And that is to gear up for this entire name, image, likeness era. Um, I personally, as a, you know, a founder and, and, you know, COVID restrictions being lifted and people being able to travel again, I've been on the road in different city every week yes. and, and usually five or six different cities in a week to make sure that we're meeting in person with our partners across college sports and uh, having conversations and, and make sure that they are ready to use our products. And because I mean, we provide free products to student athletes uh, and to professional athletes, they can use open doors anytime they want. But these schools or professional sports teams and leagues, they'll license our software that pay annual subscription fees to be able to use the, our uh, enterprise software to distribute educational content to athletes and send photos and videos and track and monitor some of the transactions that they're participating in to make sure they're following the rules. So I'm in market with athletic directors and doing education sessions with student athletes across the country. And um, that will continue. There's, there's more and more to be done. Um, one month in lots of travel, lots of travel left to do. So you brought up something interesting. So on the back end, one, I love that it's free for the athlete. So if, but, and I want to get to like how people find out about you, but I want to go back to something that you said, which was that on the back end, if I'm like a, a sports team, um, I can actually track how things are being distributed, make sure that it's like following the rules. Mm -hmm. So is that something that you built out that was already built out or as the NIL was, you know, kind of starting to shift, did you add that ability to really track things? Cause it seems like if, you know, for any competitors that you have, that's really advanced to be able to not only just, you know, make that transaction happen between a brand and an athlete, but also be able to, at the organizational level, track and make sure that everything's following the rules. Yeah, I would, I would say again, for those founders that are listening or, or trying to understand like how you get to a certain point, uh, if you just, if you Google Open Doors and you see some of the buzz, you see some of these words, you're going to say, wow, these guys are the leader in this industry. They're going to see these things. And um, you might say, wow, what is overnight success, right? Um, we've been at this for 10 years, okay? So nothing great comes fast or easy. You must love what you do and be passionate about it. And one of our advantages, why schools across the country are calling us and signing up very quickly is that NIL, name, image, and likeness, rights and monetization is new to college sports. It is not new to sports. So if you do a quick research, you'll go back to 2013 and see that we partnered with the NFL Players Association in 2013 to provide them a marketplace solution for their, for their pro athletes, for NFL players, but also a back-end compliance solution to make sure they could see who's getting paid by who for doing what. And then that turned into a partnership with the MLBPA, the NBPA, the NHLPA, the PGA Tour, the LPGA, oh. Team USA. And so we have been the technology provider for name, image, and likeness uh, compliance and monetization for the pro space for nearly a decade. Yeah. So that's, for us, seeing NIL come in the college space, there's some adjustments you make in the technology, but we are the only proven leader in the space. Most vendors, there's been more than 200 vendors pop up in the last year in this space because it is going to be a big one. It is a big one. Uh, but when you go and sit down with, with an athletic director and you say, hey, we provide this solution to the pros. We've been doing this for a decade. So you can go with someone that's done it for 10 years or someone that's done it for 10 months. 
Yep. And it's this is not something to gamble on. If a student athlete does the wrong thing, they lose their eligibility. They can't play the sport that they're at the school to play. Like this, you don't leave this to chance. So ask yourself, what do the pros use? The answer has been open doors for a decade. And we look at this next day, decade as a, a just expansion of what we exist to do, which is to help every athlete. I love that. And and that is for for those listening who are, you know, in the middle of either starting a company or are in like kind of the, the trenches of trying to get through a difficult time. There the one thing that I will say with all of our members at Pipeline Entrepreneurs is that there is no overnight success. It is the hard work. And you're absolutely right. Nothing that is value really comes easy. And it takes time and it takes some of our, you and and some of the biggest names and the entrepreneurs that we have in our organization, all were like seconds away from failure. And then it, you know, shifted because they just kept digging in. Right. And so failure is what actually helps us. Right. So we learn from it, we adjust. And so one of the things that I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on are areas that you kind of that experience for you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, again, not an overnight success, you had your highs and lows. What was a time that you were just like, man, is this the right spot? Are we doing, you know, are we in the right area? Tell me about that. Certainly. Well, I want to give you, I'm going to go down the path. Let's share some stories about the highs and lows that entrepreneurs go through. I want to take you back just to focus on pipeline real quick. And I mentioned earlier that I came into pipeline with two business, well, with one business. Okay. And, and so after I was done playing football in Nebraska, I started a social media agency helping businesses, brands, tweet, blog, Facebook, all that stuff. Right. And it was 2010 early on in the social media era. Um, and we started to work with athletes in 2011. And that's when I went through the process to be part of pipeline was in, um, the started really the interview process in the fall of 2011. And in that, that conversation, you know, it was very interesting where it's like, Blake, you know, the social media thing you got going is, is interesting. Uh, but this movement to help athletes, that's unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to me like you might be one of the, you understand their experience. You get this, like you could be one of one. Like if, if you go down the social media agency route, it's a service-based business and, you know, you could help more, help more, help more, but you could be one of a hundred in the country at your level. But if you pursue this space of athletes and it's something that you love and you're passionate about, you could be one of one. Mm. And in that moment, like that's when we decided to start Open Doors, split it off into a separate company and say, let's go pursue something we're passionate about. And, you know, I, I love helping anyone understand how to use social media, but I love helping an athlete make an extra dollar, right? Or to, to get an extra follower or a fan. And you know, that matters a great deal to me because of my, my journey. So that and that purpose, like pursuing something you really, really care about is essential as an entrepreneur because there are moments where you just want to throw your computer out the window, start over, scrap it, say, screw it. And um, if you have a reason for being a reason for doing in those moments, you avoid right. opening the window, right? You, you, you avoid uh, scrapping it all because you are pursuing something you truly care about. So that's what carries you through the 
pipeline spark was saying, Hey, what do you Blake have a chance to be the best in the world at? And like, we are, it's only taken me a decade pipeline, but I can sit here and say confidently that we are the best in the world at what we do. And I'm doing exactly what I should do every day. Uh, now I'll pause there. I'll tell you some failures if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's so valuable, right? Like it yeah. is. It, and, and I love how you shared about pipeline and just to take a quick moment. Thank you to start a puzzle for allowing pipeline entrepreneurs to be the um, guest host and take over this week. Um, for those of you who are entrepreneurs in Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri, check out pipelineentrepreneurs.com. We will be recruiting for two new classes this year. Um, so if you are um, looking to find out more, check out pipelineentrepreneurs.com. And thank you, as always, to Startup Hustle for allowing us to take over this week. Okay, so Blake, mm -hmm. the failures. Yeah. So I, I, here's a, I'll take you to a, a moment. So Open Doors in our decade of, of building this thing, we've raised $20 million in venture capital, which for some listening, like, holy smokes. For others listening, it's like, oh, that's that's a good start. It, it yeah. just depends on where you're at in your journey. I remember the first time I met somebody that was in Pipeline that had raised a million dollars. I'm like, oh my gosh, you are you have unlimited money. You know, yeah. So it's all perspective. It's yeah. all relative. Um, but we raised $20 million in venture capital over time. And um, no matter where you're at in your journey, that is never easy. Mm -mm. Um, when we, two years ago, we raised a three and a half million dollar round. Um, we were hitting some good milestones. We weren't hitting great milestones. We needed capital. We needed it quickly. And, you know, in a three month period, it pitched, I think it was 118 different venture capital groups and 117 had said no. Mm. Okay. And they don't just say no. Some of them say uh, you shouldn't do this, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that's tough because yeah. this is what you dream and believe. But we had one. We had one left. And um, Audie and I, Audie is my business partner. We were roommates day one at, at Nebraska. He went on to play in the NFL. But we are best friends and work together because we've got a great balance. But Audie and I had one left. And we flew. Uh, we're, we're to fly to... Uh, Indianapolis is where we're, we're going. And we flew into Chicago in the middle of winter. And if you've been to O'Hare airport, you can't trust a thing there. Sorry. Uh, O'Hare's not a sponsor. I hope the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got stuck and we had a meeting that started at 8am the next morning. It's late at night and it's a blizzard. <sighs> and we rented a car and drove like white knuckled it through this blizzard from Chicago to Indianapolis next morning, wake up and, and we pitch our heart out and um, leave it all in the field, right. As an athlete, yep. get back to Lincoln, Nebraska, the headquarters. And, you know, they were going to give us at the news, like two days later, whether they're going to lead our round and um, we were feeling good. I mean, we did everything we could and yeah. got, got that call and you get the run around. And then at the end of the call I said, Hey, we're not going to, give you a term sheet. Oh. And in that moment, you just look at all the effort to get there. You look at the bank account flashes in front of your eyes. You look at the people walking in front of your office. 
I, I just started bawling. Yeah. You know, I just made myself and Audie in the room and just said, man, this is, um, I, we, we screwed up, you know, we messed up. We just, we didn't have the right story, right timing. Like we're, what, what the hell are we going to do? You know? And in that moment, I'm thank, thankful that I had Audie, you know, to have a, a co-founder or business partner, like somebody to lean on. Cause most founders are, you know, if you can find a great co-founder, great. You can find a supporter in your life. Cause this is a tough journey. Yeah. Um, but Audie, you know, picked me up and said, Hey man, we're, we're good. We got this. And, um, we got through that moment. We went back to our current shareholders and said, we need to bridge this gap. And we ended up uh, getting that done. Didn't get a valuation bump we wanted and didn't get some of the validation that we needed to feel confident in what we're doing, but we had enough to keep going. And, mm -hmm. uh, but you work, you work, you work, and you hit those moments. And again, you look up and you have somebody there to support you. And then you look at why you're doing it and say, well, I, We'll find a way. We got to keep going, and uh, thank goodness we did. Right, two years later, we're in a much different situation than we were then. Yeah. So, for for people who are um, who are listening, who are you know trying to figure out the co-founder piece, so that is a topic that we talk about a lot with Pipeline because it's basically like a marriage. I mean, mm -hmm. your co-founder is you know for better or worse, you know, you're together and yes, you can get divorced, which means you should have a really good operating agreement and make sure you have that. Yeah, yeah, really. However, yep. um, so note to self, that's the first thing you want to do um, because we've seen that go south a lot, but you mentioned that, I mean, you're very fortunate in the fact that you have a great co-founder for people who don't like, how have you seen success for people who didn't, you know, have day one roommate that like turns out to be their amazing balance and co-founder. How do you, like, what, what do you recommend to people who are trying to find a co-founder? What's important? Yeah. Well, I, I would say what is most important in a co-founder is trust, respect. And then the next layer and just as important though, is a balance of strengths. Um, you know, starting two companies, we ended up selling our social media agency. We got to 25 employees and sold it. And we had an early co-founder that uh, was very similar to myself. And so if you throw, let's say that you've got three co like three founders of a company, okay. And you throw three problems on the table and two of you grab the same problem. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Because now you're sitting in a situation, well, well, if you, you both solve this problem and the other guy solves that one, you've got one problem left unsolved. And if you have a balance of strengths, you might throw three problems on the table and each grab the, the one you're most attracted to. And that's a good balance of strength and skill sets. And, um, Audie, my business partner is a, an operator to the highest degree. Like when we started our first company, it was 2010 and we were BSing. I mean, we're 20 years old, we're in college and he was like, Hey, what are we going to do after football's over? I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm tweeting for this company. I'm, you know, maybe we could do it for not just one company, but thousands. He's like, sweet. So then, you know, we, uh, we started to ideate what it would look like and then crush a six pack, go down to the bars like you do as a college kid. And the next morning I woke up and Audie had sent me a one page business plan. He said, let's fill this out. Like, yeah, that was the 20th idea I've had that week, you know, but <laughs> Right. But Audie said, no, we're going to operate. So for us, it's like the dreamer doer balance of you have a visionary, you've got an integrator, you have to operate. 
Um, that was really important because if you throw two tables, uh, two, pro two problems on a table in front of myself and my co-founder, we're definitely grabbing that opposite ones. Yep. Uh, it's very clear what I do, what he does well, and that's a great balance. So at the end of the day, that's a, you need that operationally. Um, but the trust, the love, the respect, like that matters just as much. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, and I don't know if you guys use this, one of our partners at Pipeline that we use and, and we have all of our fellows kind of go through the process is Culture Index, um, mm -hmm. which is a great resource and tool because it allows you to vary to see what people's strengths are. And mm -hmm. so it gives you this interesting snapshot. The first part of it is kind of like how you are like right now in your job. So are you like, and it has kind of a bell curve and strengths and weaknesses and then not weaknesses, but just kind of where you fit on the spectrum. Right. And then the bottom is like how you are naturally wired. And so it's like, if you are operating where you're very like aligned with who you are naturally at your core, then happiness is going to follow. Right. And then when you're not, and so it helps because based on your position, they, they'll kind of even help you figure out, okay, so we were looking for someone in accounting. Well, obviously they need to be very detail oriented. And to your point, our team is more on like the get things done, but like the creative part of it. And we knew that that personality fit had to be different. And so it was just right. a very easy tool for us as an organization. And like I said, what we recommend our fellows use, because you need something to be able to say, intrinsically, how are you going to respond to, and finding that right balance with your partners and your team? I mean, mm -hmm. as you're continuing to grow and hire, you want people who are going to be happy in what they're doing. You don't want someone who is very detail oriented in a creative position because they're going to be miserable and that's not right. going to be helpful. No, you're right. And we, we do, I mean, being in the sports industry, being, you know, former athletes, we compare it to sports. Like not everyone can play quarterback, mm -hmm. you know, like, being an offensive lineman is not a glorious position. I mean, being a kicker is either you're the hero or you're the villain, <laughs> right? And so right. you, but you have to show up and be consistent. Just take three steps back, three steps over, kick the ball. Three yeah. steps back, three steps over, kick the ball. That would drive me nuts. Like as I played linebacker and you have to read the offense, understand, like predict where they're going to be go fill the gap, hope that the person that was supposed to, you know, grab the tight end grabs them. So then you can go and tackle the running back. And um, that's fluid. And that's what I, my strength. So not everyone can play the same position. You need 11 players to, to succeed in a football game. And you, you need many more of that to succeed in business. So know your position, know it well, focus on your strengths and um, balance up the team. Yeah. Great analogy there. So Getting back to open doors. Mm -hmm. So if I if I'm an athlete and I'm like, hey, wow, what is this? How do so how do I get involved? And then if yeah. I'm an organization, how do I get involved? Yeah, so athletes can download the open doors app or go to opendoors.com and sign up for a free account and they'll create a profile which is similar to let's say you want to list your apartment or home on Airbnb. Right? You're going to have to say, hey, here's why you should stay here. Here's the benefits, the features. Here's uh, some photos of the spot. And here's what it would cost for you to stay here. Right, And that's what a, a homeowner or apartment owner would do to list their spot on Airbnb. An athlete does the same thing on Open Doors. They say, hey, here's who I am. Here's where I play uh, sports. Here's the sport I play. Here's my interest. 
Uh, here are some photos of me playing the sport. Here's the photos of me and my lifestyle. Here's my social media channels. Like, check me out. And here's how much it costs to work with me. Mm -hmm. So they create this profile. Um, and then that allows them, they can take that link and post it on their social media channels and say, hey, if you want to work with me, here's my open doors profile. So a brand or fan goes there and says, oh man, it's only a hundred dollars to uh, get a video shout out from this person or to have them show up at my business and do an appearance for an hour. It's only $500. So that brand or fan can then directly contact, offer a contract, you know, the athlete accepts it, performs the activity, and then open doors handles the entire process of the agreements, the payments, the tax prep. So it's very simple. Athletes go sign up for free, create a profile, and they list that profile. People can pay them there, right? Now there's an entire back end of, uh, you know, what we sell to sports teams, leagues, athletic departments, where they can license our software and pay an annual subscription fee. They'll invite their athletes. And, and so they, they can help their athletes get their marketability up. They can provide them photos and videos that help them increase their social media following, which increases their likelihood to have a brand or fan that wants to pay them, right? They can provide them educational resources so they can learn, you know, on their own, how to improve their value. Um, and then at the end of the day, we have a, the plug-in for compliance purposes. So an athlete can automatically disclose, Hey, I got paid by this person to do this thing. And then they can share that with their compliance office. If they're in college, they can share it with their association if they're in the pros and everyone can make sure that everything's, you know, uh, above board following the rules. So it, it's an, it's niche on the surface. Um, but it's anyone listening. I promise you, you follow an athlete that uses our product every day. You follow a brand that uses our product to manage all of their endorsement deals. You support a school or a sports team that uses our technology every day as well. So we're just a behind the scenes and infrastructure play in the athlete endorsement industry, which just got a hundred times bigger. Yeah. So are there any, so I love that you can come at it from either side. Like you can be a university or a brand helping your players, or you can, as the individual athlete, get on there and, and set that up. So kind of like with Airbnb, do you offer tools to help them realize like what their potential earnings could be? In other words, if I get on there, you know, and I'm looking to say, well, I want to make X for this type of a deal. Do you kind of give them a range or are they just, saying, we do, okay. we do. Yes. And so that, that's something that's, again, a lot of the things I'll share. Um, if I'm an entrepreneur listening and like, wow, these guys provide a lot of different solutions or products, but it's, it's been an evolution over a decade. And if you put the athlete in the center and you say, how do we help this person? then you can start to find these fits, right? So the first thing we did was built out the marketplace, which helps them monetize their name, image, and likeness, okay? And the, the next part is once we got contacted by the NFL Players Association, that's when we had to build up the compliance tools to make sure that they know the rules and are following the rules. So we built out the product called Open Doors Monitor. Um, and then more, like, the first thousand athletes that all signed up, they said, what are my tweets worth? Like, that's the first question they asked, like, how much should I charge? And we realized that there's really information asymmetry or basically no information on market data. So we created a, a project called Open Doors Ready, which basically provides them an assessment. It's kind of like a Zillow's estimate where you want to go see what your home's worth. Like an yep. athlete can sign up and figure out what their tweets are worth or what an appearance is worth, that sort of thing. So that's the answer to that. And we use the marketplace data of how much athletes are actually getting paid to estimate what the next athlete should get paid. And it it's a live uh 
know, look at that. And then, um, interesting enough, we learned that most athletes, once they are in the marketplace, they're following the rules, they understand their value. Athletes about five years ago started to fall behind creators and influencers and other people that are in the space that their job every day is to create content and yeah. engage their fans on social. And so we said, we got to help athletes, not just monetize and protect their brand and understand their value, but actually build it. And that's when we introduced open door social. And that was uh, a product that sports teams and leagues can load up photos and videos and basically give their athletes the rights to share them on social media. So when Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson or Rory McIlroy gets done with a golf event on the PJ tour, they go and open up the openers app. They already have all their photos and highlights from that round of golf on their phone waiting for them. So they can then push them out on social media. And then that feeds the, the loop where again, they are building their value. They're monetizing it. They're complying. They're understanding like what their value is. And then they find new ways to grow. So it kind of feeds this circle experience. So one, that is again, why it's taken a decade. Because those aren't things that you figure out. You come out of the gate with, okay, so we need, like, those no. are things that take time. Right. And, like, okay, there's a need here, and, it, and it's listening, right? So what does the athlete need? And that's how I hear the evolution is you kept listening. Right. And what does your, what is your, um, what's the market telling you? Which, right. you know, for those listening, we're sponsoring, Pipeline Entrepreneurs is sponsoring this episode and this week's worth of, uh, episodes because we're about to kick off our next fellowship class and we're actually for the first time doing two fellowship classes so in 14 years there's always been one we're adding a second one and we're doing that because we see a need that um to get into pipeline previously you have to be working on your startup full-time so there will always be traditional pipeline um and that's going to be there but we realized that there was an uneven playing field to get into pipeline because if you are female, minority, rural entrepreneur, it's not as easy to get into pipeline because you're working full-time probably and have your startup full-time. You're hustling like crazy, but because you're not working full-time on your startup, you're automatically not able to get in. So this mm -hmm. new programming is going to be specific for that entrepreneur. And our that. goal is to provide it in a, in a virtual format, which because of the pandemic, we were able to see that you know, we can do a lot of programming virtually. And so that way we can meet the need of people who are working full time, don't have the luxury to take the time off to be able to go be in the modules four times a year. And so we're going to do that. And it's our first time to your point, as you evolve and you change and you listen, that's kind of where we came over the last year and a half is we realized we had an opportunity um, to meet a need that wasn't being met. And we realized we had the resources to do it. So if you're listening and you are interested, go to pipelineentrepreneurs.com and hit apply we will be taking applications for both classes the new pipeline primer and the traditional pipeline so you can actually apply once and we can help you figure out which one makes sense for you so that's awesome uh if you heard that spiel i'll tell you as an entrepreneur or founder in the midwest pipeline changed my life it changes my life still today i would not we open doors would not be here if it weren't for pipeline like this pursuit and encouragement and path that I've on as a founder and our team is on would not exist without pipeline. So if you're 
wondering what the value is. I, I cannot stress enough that this was transformative for me and it will be for you. If you apply, if you don't get in this class, apply again, apply again, apply again. These are great people and great purpose um, entrepreneurs in the Midwest. This is the resource that gets you to that next level. And one, we're so thankful that we have you as part of Pipeline. But I think the thing that I love the most about Pipeline entrepreneurs is that they're serial entrepreneurs. So for you, that means if you have a company and it does not, it's not successful, you're going to get right back up. You're going to learn, you're going to pivot, and you're going to start again. If you have a company that is successful and you exit, you're going to get right back up and start another company and reinvest, reinvest in your community, reinvest, starting another company. And that is how our entrepreneurs have had such a massive impact um, on the economy in the Midwest because they're creating jobs, they're exiting, they're recreating more jobs by starting another company. So when I when I look at it from that perspective, you know, I know you have an office in New York City and you also have, do you still, you still have an office in Lincoln or you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got a, a built out an HQ in Lincoln and growing that as well, yeah. Awesome. So how does that, how have you managed your time between, I mean, I know you said you're traveling a lot, but you know, when you look at giving back in the Midwest, which is exactly why we focus on entrepreneurs, just like yourself, you know, you have the office in New York city and then, you know, the headquarters are in Lincoln. Do you have any other plans to expand or are those kind of your two main spots? Yeah, no, Lincoln in the Midwest is home for open doors and always will be. We've got branches in, in, in the pandemic and uh, hiring um, the growth we've had this year. It's We've got team members all over, but we keep our HQ in Nebraska for a reason. And it is the team members that we are able to find and build our foundational for what open doors is today. And I can tell you, especially in our industry and in, in sports and sports media, sports text, just sports marketing, most of the business is here in New York. That's why I live here in New York. And it's, you know, I've got to go down the street and rub elbows with the right people. Uh, but the difference when the folks from this industry get on the phone with our support team, our account managers, our product and technology team, our accounting department, and they're Midwest people, Midwest values, they truly care. You know, they fit um, what our core values are as a company and what we want to represent. And it's a differentiator, right? And that is something that Midwest and the support system that exists there is essential for any startup. And if you are a, a not in the Midwest currently, consider getting there to find the right people to join the yeah. team. If you're in the Midwest currently, you know that keeping those roots are critical because it's a major differentiator when you're working in global or or multinational or or national industries. Right. Cost of living is, you know, there's a lot of perks. You know, I know that um, some cities are actually offering, I know Tulsa, Oklahoma is doing this, where they're offering, you know, monetary compensation for founders who will start their businesses there. You know, there's so much value, which is why we focus on entrepreneurs in the Midwest, because, you know, you look at all the resources in California and New York and the coast, and our goal and our hope is that we can provide the same quality, same level of resources to entrepreneurs in the Midwest. And that is our passion. It's how we get to have amazing members like you. Um, and we just get to cheer you on and hopefully provide some valuable resources along the way. And so Blake, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the podcast today. And again, thank you so much to Startup Hustle 
for allowing us to take over this week. Remember, if you are an entrepreneur who's thinking about um, looking into the Pipeline Fellowship Program, just check us out at pipelineentrepreneurs.com. And Blake, man, continued success. I know you are going to be traveling like crazy. I'm just, we're so proud of you. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Yeah, thank you both. Thanks for all you're doing for Pipeline and for the the members and the the fellowship classes. This is a, it's a great treat to have you leading the team. And, and I would say that we're thankful for everyone that does contribute to Pipeline, right? There's a lot of supporters and donors that bring this to life and it's purpose-driven uh, people that are passionate about building great things in the Midwest. I, I'm thankful to be a part of it. Anyone that gets a chance to be a part of it will be thankful as well. And uh, yeah, apply, apply, apply. Yes, and apply. <laughs> keep doing your thing, Melissa. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Blake. Yes, talk soon. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.